Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toffee, toffee. It's black cap. Hashtag Buckheaders. That's magnificent. Hello, John. Up and down. Well done. Bye bye. Damn. Be like the Arsenal. Be ambitious. Come on. Hello and welcome to Bird Camp Wonderland. We are not the Messiah. We are just very, very naughty boys. Poor old Terry left us today. With me tonight, it's uh, talking of naughty boys who never do their job properly. It's Carl. All right, Carl. Hello. I just want to say that I now have a new enemy. He knows who he is. His name is Andrew Fife. Uh, he's my new Ellis. So I think the new hashtag should be hashtag fuck Fife. Fuck, that rolls off the tongue superbly, <laughs> unlike your rolling stock that doesn't roll anywhere. <laughs> Daniel, don't make me make you not roll. I've I've seen I've I've met Carl and he gave me a look and he didn't give me a funny handshake. Next time, Carl, I'm working up. I'm going to go and watch Kid and Play. I'm going to watch all of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and I'm going to give you funny handshakes until your arm falls off. It's like thirty seconds in, and you've already started with a racial stereotype. <laughs> Fucking hell. Chris, have a word with him, please. <laughs> don't. No, no one knows Chris is here yet. What have oh, you sorry. done? That's the first oh. rule of ABW. Don't tell the guests who's coming up. Next up, it's only Chris Carpenter. Ah, Chrissy, but I've been watching the Cornwall fishing things, and every time I, I, um, I watch it, I think of old Chris wandering around, strolling around, listening to our podcast as he's running through the streets of Cornwall. Except I live in Devon. I was just going to say yeah. that, but okay, yeah. Same yeah. thing. Well, yeah. I was a kid um, being rated, so you might as well start it. You got all the same have, down there. <laughs> if we could have less of the old, um, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you know, Danny, because you're always meticulous about this, I will be another year older in three days' time. So it's your birthday. Could, it is. Oh. You'd be thirty-seven. So yeah. I was just going to say, if we could not mention how old I'm going to be, that'd be great. <laughs> You've already shot on that one, so that'd be good. thank you. 37 for me would have been the 2007 8 season. Oh, the Banter era. That's when it began. The decade of dust, as I like to refer to it. The, the decade of destruction. <laughs> oh, you're right, though, Cheeky Chops. We have missed you. Um, I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all right. I'm getting there bit by bit. But uh, yeah, pleased with what we've had to watch in the last 24 hours. So yeah. onwards and upwards. It's always a good start. And finally, with us tonight, all the way from Canada land, it's only Corey Austin, the man from the chat box, the man who we all follow on Twitter, and uh, we all WhatsApp him every now and then. And he's been a, a listener, not a fan. We don't have fans. We have listener. He's been a listener to the show for many, many moons while trucking around North America in his big lorry. Truck, not lorry. You lot don't like it when you sign up. say lorry, dear Corey. Oh, we don't mind that. No problem. But it is I a truck. I got banned from someone on Twitch because I ref- he was an American. I said, that's a nice lorry you got there. Straight away, banned. That's just strange. Oh, not right, don't is worry it? about him. No. A bit like Danny, no. really. A bit strange. The, the question yeah. we all want, we want the answer to is, how far away are you from Jeff and do you know him? Because you're uh, in Canada land. Yeah. We meet up every other week. Yeah, at the local. Yeah, No, no. He's, uh, he's not that far away, but he's across some water. So I would have to take a ferry to get to him. So... But he's uh, not that far away. He's about 90 minutes. Are you excited about Megan Sparkles and Harry Cohen to live in your fair land? Uh, no, not at all. But, I, <laughs> you know, that's beside the point. They can, hey, they can live their life. That's great. They're going to okay. go and live with Jeff in, in with Jeff and his white cats and his white car and, and, and his white towels. Yeah, he's going to be white. And his white dog. 
That's right. <laughs> that he hasn't every he doesn't see them for six months a year because it's just so much snow he can't see any of his animals, which is why he's bought a black car. There you go. Right, there that's that is uh, three minutes and fifty seconds of absolute nonsense. Well done if you fast forwarded through it. So, uh, Chris, as you haven't been on in a while, I will come to you for the the oh first of all we have to do the usual statement at the beginning of every show Lacazette 28 Aubameyang 30 Ozil 31 right Chris the Arteta question this is only for you and Corey because Carl asked um, answered it last week how did you feel about Arteta before he was announced as manager and how do you feel about Arteta now um before I was I was quietly optimistic um, because I felt that it was the right appointment given the fact that we didn't go for him previously. Um, I felt it was probably a good time to try something different and he was something very different. And afterwards, so far, so good. Um, I think his success or failure is going to be determined on things that will not be in his control, if you catch my drift. Um, I think what how much the... Uh, people above him back him will determine how successful he can be. Um, but yeah, so far, so good. Um, been impressed with what we've seen so far. Yeah, definitely. Good point about the backing. Is that probably why we haven't bought any players in the 22 days that the window's been open? I don't think it's that. Um, I think it's... Uh, teams don't really buy anybody this this early on, do they? The, the days are gone when the window opened and everyone went and bought somebody. Now it's like we wait till 29th. 30th of January and then people go and see what's available because the, the value is in the market closing rather than the market opening so not really surprised and I don't expect us to spend you know huge amounts of money in this window anyway so um, yeah not massively surprised on that regard but we'll see I guess Good, Corey, how did you feel about Arteta before he was announced and how do you feel about him now? Uh, I guess I, I'd have to admit that when uh even before when they inter- uh, interviewed him the previous time, I was kind of uh, not worried as much as skeptical just because, I mean, let's be honest, he has no real experience. So on that respect, I was worried. And uh, I wasn't sure if it was the right appointment. But um, I got to admit that uh, I'm so happy with the way things are going. You know, the players are going in the right direction. The play is going in the right direction. Even the fan base is moving in the right direction. So he seems to have been able to have linked this, uh, you know, thing that you need to have. So, hey, um, I'm impressed. I got to take my hat off to him. It is only, what, seven games, though. So let's all just calm down just a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Well, we tend to get way too carried away way too quickly, whether it be with a player, whether it be whether we win one game and all of a sudden we're going to win the league, you know, or we lose two games and we're going to go down, you know. It's like, uh, just calm down. I think things are good. I'm very happy. Yeah. That's very good. Uh, I saw a tweet yesterday and someone said he was at the ground and he saw an Arsenal fan of a sign saying Arteta out. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, it starts as, it starts as a joke, doesn't it? But then all of yeah. a sudden, uh, people cotton on that they can make a little bit of money off of the action. So mm, they do indeed. Carl, have you changed your opinion at all? 
No, um, I think just like Chris said, we need to, he needs to have time um, and it does depend on how much he's backed because he's working with a bunch of players that are not quote-unquote his players. It's the players that he inherited and obviously he wants to build a team and he has to be given the opportunity to build the team that he wants. That is going to involve the buying and selling of, of players and if the club back him to do that, then... You know, I, I believe that he can achieve good things. And I just think right now, uh, the players that he's got, you know, there, there are some tweaks that need to be done uh, within the squad. And hopefully, um, oh, Leicester one new up. No, they're not offside. Um, obviously, he's one new up, sorry. Um, yeah, um, I think if he's given the opportunity to um, buy the players that he wants, and needs as well, because it's not just a one, he, has, he actually is a need. Uh, look at yesterday, and we'll talk about that later. Then I think that Arteta can do some good things in the club. I agree. And all I've learned from before and to now is I know nothing because I didn't want him, and he's very, very good. So there you go. Never ask me for advice on anything unless it's um, cats. Do you think, do you, could I just ask a question, Nicole? Do you think that there's a possibility that he's bringing with him? like a lot of scouting knowledge, like guys' ideas of people he might want to bring into the team? Definitely. At Man City, they he would have been involved in every single discussion of who Man City want. Uh, whether we're in the same ballpark as Man City as we can afford them, probably not. But I'm sure that Man City scouting network would have been far and wide and it, Man City would have, would have identified certain players. And I'm sure Arteta would be looking at those players as well, thinking, well, maybe they'll be a good fit for Arsenal. And it's just about um, whether we can uh, afford those players. I mean, do you remember a few years, I'll say a few, do you remember years ago where no matter what player we wanted, Chelsea would buy and like the likes of Sean Mike Phillips, the likes of Essien, the likes of Drogba, that we, we wanted all those players, but we just couldn't afford them. And Chelsea would always outbid us. And, you know, there are some that, did very well, like the likes of Sen and sort of Jogba, and some of them do so well, like Sean Mike Phillips. Like when Chelsea bought him, he was never worth twenty one million, but they just outbidded us, and yeah. because we was interested in him, so I'm sure that you know, I think football right now, uh, back when Arsene Wenger sort of in charge, we could pick up the likes of a Nicholas and Nelka, and no one knew about him, but right. I think. Scouting now in football is so vast and wide. If one team knows about a player, another team definitely knows about him. You know, you know what I think happened in those days as well was that the, the teams had the money that we didn't. So when Wenger identified the talent, exactly like you said, they basically used them and they just swooped on the players. Like um, Lukaku, for, for example. I mean, uh, Arsene Wenger wanted him originally. Then he got bought by Chelsea. Uh, Hazard, he's Eden Hazard's another example like that, where he was identified where Wenger wanted him and then another team scooped him. So, yeah. It was always the Arsenal way of the, the reluctance to pull the plug, wasn't it? Like, uh, we could, I'm sure Chris would know this probably better than I, but the amount of players that we've identified in the sure. past and we've just never, ever pulled the plug and sometimes it's come to bite us in the arse. I think it's like David Silva wasn't, not, or was it, uh, I can't remember which one. Is there a silver matter uh, that we was interested in and we just didn't pull the plug? And, you know, it's just silly that we 
we didn't yeah. really go for these players, but you know, um, hopefully things have turned around and we will be able in the future to identify certain players and actually go out and, and secure them. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, um, right. I think we should move on to the the Sheffield United game. I'd completely forgotten about it, and Corey reminds me. Chris, did you see any of the game? Um, only highlights. I, what did I you think of the streams? Mm, yes. What did you think of the highlights? What um, stuck out to you about the game? Not a lot, if I'm completely <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, the I think Carl will probably go into this in a bit more depth in a minute, but the the inability to to hold a lead is, um, you know, is always a worry with uh, with the new us. Um, I was never really, you know, like when you get a game, you go one nil up and you think, ah, oh, yeah, we're, we're comfortable here. I, I haven't felt that way about Arsenal for a number of years. Um, and I didn't feel any different with this game. It was always, um, it was always a game where you, you just felt we would need to start quickly and get two goals up. And when they, I was watching sort of on Sky when they cut to the um, the, the Sky reporters and he said, you know, Sheffield United have been the better side, slightly better. I thought, mm, that doesn't bode well. But but we got in front, you know, the Martinelli goal, opportunistic strike. Again, we'll talk about him a bit more later on. But um, once we were in front, I felt like we, we were in a position where we could go on and, and turn the screw. You've got to give Sheffield United credit. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're not the prettiest side to watch, um, but they are a side that, has that sort of gritty determination. They have that ability to to turn the turn games you wouldn't think in their favour. I mean, they they ran Man City close last night. They beat us earlier on in the season. Um, you know, they ran Liverpool close. They're, they're a decent side. They're the sort of side that next year it'd be very difficult to replicate their form again because usually teams like that get found out within a year. Um, but what Wilder's done there is is pretty decent. Um, and and they're a hard side to break down. Uh, the only other thing that I would pick out from the game, inevitably, was the non-penalty uh, called on, on Pepe. Our fans are strange, strange creatures at times online, as, as we all know. Um, I, I do feel like there's a little bit within our fan base of our, you know, sort of cry Arsenal um, and uh, playing the victim cards. And I don't ever want us to end up like Liverpool fans um, in that regard. But I just feel that we are a little bit we haven't got the rub of the green maybe in terms of these VAR decisions. And I think that, that magical word again, the consistency word, you see challenges that go against us. Um, the Abamyang tackle, I think there was one by another player at the weekend whose name escapes me. Um, but you know, and only booked and it's yet where our player gets sent off rightly. I'm not going to deny that, but it, it is frustrating when you see different situations in different, uh, different games. And the fact that it took about six seconds to review, I think it was, you know, it didn't seem like they even had a good look at it. Um, yes, Pepe went down sort of a little over theatrically, I suppose you could say, but no more than than a lot of other players who've got decisions have gone down. And it's a hard one for players. You know, what do they do? Do they stay on their feet and try and score? Or do they go down and, and sort of see what happens? But that was the only disappointment. Um, other than that, you know, it was another, okay, it's another draw. We are becoming the draw specialists. Um, and it would have been a game you would have looked at and thought, really, we need to be picking up three points. But given the circumstances, um, given the team we had out, the central defence we had out, you know, it, it wasn't the worst result in the world. And, and it was something to build on going into to last night. Yeah, Carl, um, Chris was mentioning about um, letting in late goals. I just had a look. When Chelsea came to our place, they scored in the 83rd and 87th. Sheffield United, 83rd. And last night, Chelsea... Uh, in the 84th. 
Why is that happening? Any idea? Is it a fitness thing? Well, yesterday, uh, I guess he kind of got to take it out of context because we did have 10 men mm-hmm. for the majority of the game. So, uh, obviously, we we, we we tired, like, we're playing an extra man down. I think more is sometimes a concentration thing. You know, Arsenal don't have the best defensive record in, in the world. And, you know, I think it's uh, common that defending is not Arsenal's forte. It's just something we just can't do properly. Uh, we don't do it well. It's one of these things that is inherited in our club and it's been like that since Arsene Wenger's been in charge. Uh, the Sheffield United one, uh, I, a lot of people won't agree with me, but I think that goal was very much preventable uh, from the free kick that started it from until the ball got into the box. I think that this whole thing about putting your arms behind your back so it does not handball. And I get it, you know, because if the ball apparently brushes your hand, it, it's handball. But I think someone like, um, was it uh, Ainsley making the nails? He goes to run towards uh, Fleck and stops. Now, I personally think if he closes him down properly, he would have been able to um, get to him. But he, he stops and it kind of that kind of annoyed me. And I don't want to hear the fact that, oh, he's not a right back on blah, blah, blah. He's played there enough times. I said this last time. He's more of a right back than he is a centre midfielder because he has played there more times uh, than he has in, in centre mid. So I think it's just basic. We just switch off sometimes. We and let's not get it. There was a little bit of luck in that goal as well, where it hit the, the ground and sort of bounced up. I think if that was straight at the goal, I think Leno stops it. Um, it it's hard because we don't have the best defenders in the world. We don't have. I don't think for any time this season we've had our quote-unquote first-choice defence playing, uh, whoever you may think that may be. Uh, I can only think in one maybe Europa Cup game where we've had our quote-unquote first-choice full-backs, you know, as in Tyranny and Bellerin. And, you know, it doesn't look like Tyranny is going to be back anytime soon. I think, what was it, three months? So we're probably talking about maybe March, beginning of April time, um, bettering slowly and surely coming back, which, you know, we'll talk about his performance later on, but um, it's hard. It's hard. We just don't defend well. And it is a fitness thing. Uh, I agree because Arteta has already come out and said the players are not where I want them to be. And, you know, Arteta, you can tell that he is a player, sorry, a manager who wants us to close down. He wants us to hurry the defenders and we can't do that for 90 minutes. Uh, we will eventually tire out. So with time, Arteta will get us there. Yeah, I agree with that. Corey, what's your thoughts on the Sheffield United game? Did you see it or did you just see the highlights? Yeah. No, no, yeah, I watched it. Um, and uh, there's the point of the goal uh, I found interesting because we're going to talk later, hopefully about uh, like pattern of substitutions, but there was a moment uh, where in about the 80th minute, you could really see that Ozil was tiring uh, during the game and he needed to be subbed out. And I believe at that moment, if I remember, um, uh, Arteta started making some moves on the sidelines. Uh, there was some movement as if there was going to be a substitution happen and it didn't happen. And the goal followed rather quickly after this kind of, Thing that was going on on the sidelines and it was a for me I think it could have been preventable just through a substitution a change in how the midfield was being run so uh, there was that concern the, the only other thing I noticed from the game was that 
um, the usual pattern of the teams coming out at us hard. Most teams have figured out that they've got to try and just go at us right at the beginning of a game, as, as Sheffield United did. But um, if you actually watch the game, the, the, the Arsenal played fairly well. I mean, it wasn't as if we didn't play well. I, I personally think we d- deserve to win that game. But uh, for me, the standout was the lack of substitution at that crucial moment. I truly believe that there's something going on with that. But it might but be just... Are you saying that you would have uh, realised it's coming towards the end of the game, Ozil looked tired and you'd have brought on someone to shore up the midfield? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. But there's not much we could have done about that goal. That goal, like the goal against Bournemouth um, that they scored against us, just those kind of lucky shots. It's just, it's just bad luck that we've had two go in in what, consecutive games like that. You can't really um, plan for anything like that, can you? Yeah. I mean, you, bringing on a player like you said would would probably work because Özil, you get the last ten minutes of the game and he was he was looking knackered. Yeah, I, in that game, the actual structure of our team, we had a three man back, right, with. Um, uh, uh, Torreira just kind of anchoring ahead of everybody. And you basically had almost four wingers. You had a midfield type of winger and a winger winger set up. You remember you had uh, Pepe on the right and you had Martinelli on the left and you had uh, AMN on the right and you had uh, Saka on the left, right? They were pressed up. So with the minute that uh, Ozil started to tire, basically – your guts of your team was gone, right? So, and I He's think our, I, I think Arteta saw it, but uh, then what happened was the goal got scored, and I think Arteta's mentality was, well, now I have to leave him on because I don't want to pull him off to make a scene of it. Do you understand? Yeah, which he did in the uh, the, the the game after that. Um, right. So the, yeah, Martinelli scored in that game. It's. Uh, rapidly becoming a, a one of our one of the fans favorites the i don't remember the last time that we saw a young man come well, i do actually nicholas and elka that we bought a bloke that no one had heard of for five hundred thousand pound from uh from the farmers league i don't know if you know their farmers leagues back then and uh turned out to be an absolutely magnificent player so uh talking about that um chris did you watch the chelsea game i did yes oh yeah, did. Um, then. tickle the listeners yeah i mean it it was a it was a really strange game because we went into it. <clears throat> I had a sneaking suspicion we might do all right, um, inevitably because I'm always positive. But um, no, I just had a had a feeling that that we would do all right and set up to me looked looked like the right sort of side to to play Chelsea and their home record at the moment is cause for concern for them. Um, and it's amazing how these things have a way of getting into players' heads when they're not winning at home or they're not scoring goals. It's one of those things that just, just bleeds into it. Um, so I was fairly confident going in, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, and then when we had the, when we went behind and we had the player sent off when, when David Lewis sent off, it was so weird because it was one of those moments where I just looked away from the TV just for a second, um, turned back and Mustafi's, awful back pass was dribbling towards our goal and I, um, sort of like everything went into slow motion. And it was weird because I, I'm really, Mustafi's such a strange one because you can see in him and, and you, you hear from the interviews he gives him that, he, he's, not, he's not a terrible footballer, but he's just not the level that, that we should have and, and, and things had just not worked out for him. And, and I, almost feel, I almost feel like the harder he tries to do things well, the more likelihood it, there is that he's going to make a, 
a horrid error um and unfortunately that was the case and and really it, it cost him his position in terms of the uh, or it cost David Luis, sorry his position in terms of the red card um i know a lot of people have sort of said why didn't didn't uh, Luis just let the, the goal scorer score I must admit, I mean, I was one of the thousands of people that checking that double jacket jeopardy rule. I thought it was a bit strange, and apparently it's only in place now if it's an accidental foul or something. So what did um, it used to be? Did it used to be it would be either a red or a penalty unless it was violent conduct or something like that? No, because it changed, didn't it? Do you remember yeah. in do you remember in the uh in the Champions League final? Yeah. Um it um because they um it was one or the other, wasn't it? And that's what it was. But if you make an attempt, because what they're trying to say is David Luiz made no attempt to get the ball. He just yeah. fouled him. So then mm-hmm. it is, that's when you get the red card and the penny. Had he had maybe tried to slide out the way, yeah, then it yeah. wouldn't have just been a penny and it would have been a yellow card. But because he made no attempt whatsoever, he just pushed him, then that's when, <laughs> uh, that's when that rule sort of comes in and it's kind of like, well, you know, it's a penny and a red card, unfortunately. And, and the stupid thing was as well is Abraham still had a, a bit to do. Um, I'm not I'm sure he would have scored, but Mustafi had got back on the line. I think he actually kicked the rebound straight against um, Louise as he got back to it. But um, yeah, and, it, and it, <clears throat> if you look at the replay, Abraham goes down very easily. But in that circumstance, Louise makes it easy for him. And when we were down to 10 men and, and we conceded the penalty, it, I still felt that we could score. I still, I still had every sort of um, confidence we would get a goal. Okay, our, our goal was was fortuitous. We might come on to that in a minute, but I always had a feeling we could score, um, but I just wasn't sure whether we could keep them out. Um, and particularly when we went two one down, I I sort of thought, you know, even I held my hands up and thought, okay, well, we've been valiant here, but it's going to be a defeat. Um, and then obviously, captain for the night, Hector Bellerin, steps up and and does what what I don't think anyone really expected him to do on it on his left foot. So. Um, and it, and it was one of those, it was, I think a lot of people have said it on Twitter today, and, it, and it's true, it's one of those draws that felt like felt like a win. Um, and it's one of those draws as well that if we can build on it um, going into the next few games, I know we've got a cup game next, but I think if we can build on it, then we've got the potential to sort of, we, we can refer back to this. this. This would be one of those games you refer back to in the changing rooms, you know, remember what you did at Chelsea, set a benchmark, remember what you did in that game. Um, and ironically, I thought we actually played better when we were down to 10 men than we were when we had 11. Um, and there was some really big performances in that game, which we've all been waiting to see. Character, um, drive, desire, commitment, all those things that, yes, you should expect. Of course you should. I'm not disputing that, but things that have been lacking for a long time. And, and they were all on display last night. And, um, you know, rightly so, the players took the, took the adulation they deserved from it. And and we took the point we deserved. And it, and it was, all, it was all, almost just as almost more sweet, I would say, actually, seeing Chelsea fans bleating on today about how we only had two shots. Well, yeah, we did, but they both went in. <laughs> so, you know, it kind yeah. of is irrelevant, really, isn't it? It wasn't like we sat with 10 behind the ball for the entire game or nine behind the ball. Um, um, you know, we tried to play a bit, didn't we? Sorry, let me... I, I, it was also... It was less about taking a point for us. It was more about uh, taking two points away from them. Yeah. If you know... If you know. That was the awesome part of that game. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Carl, any uh, what pearls of wisdom about the game? Uh, when before we start the show, people, um, I just I have a, just a list of a few things we want to cover, and I put Mustafi, um, um, hero to um, sinner, or whatever I put there. 
And Carl, you said, what did he do that was good? I said, well, he put, he, he put himself in front of the ball. And then you said, well, that's his job, isn't it? Yeah, but I know that's his job. But so often lately, we've had defenders cowering out of the way. He didn't cow out of the way, did he? He went straight for it. I mean, I think that deserves some praise. No, because you're, well, again, you're comparing to the lowest common denominator. Why don't you compare to the highest? Why don't you compare him to uh, a brilliant player? It's, um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, Mustafi had a brain fart moment. You know, he, and what he did, I'm sorry, as a professional footballer who gets X amount of uh, thousands of pounds a week, that was unacceptable. But he he caught it with the tip of his boot, though, didn't he? Danny, he had no awareness of what was around him. He should have either. You got to put a bit more power on it for it to reach the goalkeeper. The worst thing is he wasn't even being harried. He was not even like that. Someone was closing him down. It was shit. I don't know what to do. I need to give the ball back to the goalkeeper. That's what he meant. And he had no, he had no awareness of what was around him. He shouldn't have known that Abraham was there. Like. It's just ridiculous. Even the space between him and Louise was was far too massive. Like it's just, you, you could, we could sit down here and point out the error like over and over. And but it is what it is. Um, the one thing I will say is that after that, he had a good game. I will I will give him that, and I'm not going to say that he had a shit game. He did. He had a very good game. After that, it's almost like in the dressing room, Arteta sat him down and just said, "You know what? Get it out of your head. Don't worry about it." Just, just let it go. And after that, he, you know, he he stuck his boot in, and then he got some important headers and clearances. Um, I believe that his header was the one that set up Martinelli's um, uh, run. So you know, he got an assist. But we're not going to talk. But unfortunately, like we're not going to talk about that. We have to talk about the glaring error that he made. And it's unacceptable, Chris. If that someone had made that uh, error in the Pirates, I'm sure you would look at them and think, what the fuck are you doing? Excuse my language. But, you know, and that's like, that's Sunday League. And we're talking about a, a professional footballer, a guy who's, I hate saying this because I think it's, it's bullshit, but he's won a World Cup. He, he, this guy has won a World Cup. And yeah, he doesn't get to the... Um, ch- hear me he doesn't get into the Germany side now but that's unacceptable for him to do that he's a professional footballer and like Chris said it's not that maybe he's a he's a terrible footballer he's just not good enough to play for Arsenal and I I think next season uh, he will not be an Arsenal player that's my personal opinion if we can ship him out but for me it's just unacceptable you'll be asking Chris a question there I did ask Chris a question. What would you have done if one of your defenders had done that? Uh, when when you said, what what would I do if? I mean, it sort of happens every Sunday. So. <laughs> Chris has um, secretly told me one of the results from the last week. I'm not going to say it, but it's uh, oh, you're a very brave man to still carry on, Chris. We're, we're having an awful time. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. And as you say, it's Sunday League. It, it, it's not about... It's not about coating the players off or, you know, saying he's not this, he's not that. I mean, you know, he has come in when he first signed for the club. He had some really good performances. But sometimes a player just gets to that stage where their confidence is completely gone. You can see it. Um, And I think what was telling last night was that every time David Luiz got the ball, Chelsea pressured him. And every time Mustafi got it, they sat off and waited for him to to basically pressure himself. And that, that speaks volumes. And, 
you know, how many more managers he's had? He's had opportunities. You know, Emery stuck with him and then left him out at the start of the season. Freddie brought him back and put faith in him at Norwich, and he made the mistake. Arteta's put faith in him more through luck than judgment, but he could easily have played Rob Holding last night, um, and he and he kept faith with him. As I say, it, it's not some of the stuff that's been said about him online is not is not acceptable, and and I you know I never think it's fair to just just coat a player off and attack a player personally verbally whatever it may be but sometimes a player just just has his sell by date at a club and it doesn't work out and i think i think if he was playing you know in sort of one of the lesser leagues if he was in sort of turkey portugal something like that he'd probably look like a fairly competent center back um but at our level and and at the level that we're at you know th- th- there's a reason that that joe gomez plays over um, what's his face? Joel Matip, for example. Matip's a perfectly good central defender, but Joe Gomez offers a bit more, and, and Liverpool have been ruthless in that regard, and, and we have to do the same. That said, Arteta's only really got him available. I think Socrates, is it um, is it still concussion? I think he's out with, which is a bit of a worry because that's two games now. They're doing the right thing, but hopefully we'll have him back and holding coming on last night. You know, he's not in, been in the best form either, so you know, we, we kind of need bodies at the moment. Um, and that's why it's important that we try and keep Mustafi ticking over. Uh, but yeah, longer term, if there's an option to upgrade him in, in the summer, uh, and if it means we've got to take a loss on, on the sale price, which we inevitably will, you know, that's what's got to happen. And, and unfortunately, you know, I, I like the guy. He's, he's a, you know, he's a good personality. He's, he seems like a nice, likeable footballer, but sadly not, not at this level. Is, is he good enough to cut it any more anyway? That's for sure. I mean, there has to be a professional footballer out there better than Mustafi for us. There has to be. In, in world football, and, and I'm sure our scouts, I'm sure Arteta has definitely said centre defence has to be one of the number one priorities uh, in the summer. Um, you know, David Luiz is only probably there maybe one more season. Uh, and then he's you got to look to kind of ship him out as well. And Socrates is what thirty one, thirty two, so he's probably only got a, a few more seasons left in him as well. So um, yeah, we've got Chambers, and but you're not going to see Chambers until probably this time next year. Um, Holding is kind of stop starting, so Holding is at the moment you would say um, the the poster boy for our, our defence because he's probably the one that you could say is more than likely going to be there for the next few years. Um, Don't forget uh, the young man in France. Mavropanos. Um, oh, and no, no, um, Saliba. But I don't... Chris, you'll be better off uh, updating us. He, next season, do you think he could walk into our defence and start games? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think based on that, there's nothing in our defence right now that will keep him out if he comes in and is solid. Don't get me wrong; he's not the finished article, but he's he's very very highly thought of. And and I think sometimes you you have to take a gamble and you have to put a player in and say, Do you know what, whatever happens, we're going to build around you. There's a lot of talk about Upamecano in, in the summer that being sort of revitalised and, and I think they're, they're doing a bit of work on that at the moment to try and put something in place for the summer and obviously that would depend on who we can get out. Ideally in the summer really what you want is, is you want to have um, two experienced defenders, um, so probably Socrates and Louise. Um, you want to bring in an experienced starting defender and then have a, a sort of a young protege next to him and if that, you know, if that means that 
that one of Sokrata Solomides doesn't get games, then so be it. You know, you have to be ruthless. And again, the top clubs, that's what you do. You know, you, you don't look at it and go, oh, well, well, we'll try and keep players happy. You have to keep building. Um, but I think I think Saliba will will come will come in and, and a lot will depend on his preseason and how he settles. But he's an Arteta type defender um, based upon, you know, when he was at Man City, they like to play out from the back. That's Saliba's type of game. But he's big, he's physical. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of how Rio Ferdinand was when he first came through at West Ham. I'm not saying he's going to be as good because he may not be, but that's his style. It, it's it's physicality, but he's an athlete and he can bring the ball out and he can use the ball. Um, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, he'll be our Van Dyke. That You know, that's, let's, let's be a bit careful. Let's give him a bit of time. But he, he could easily come straight in and, and walk in. And I do think we'll see potentially two, maybe three casualties of the centre-backs in the summer. Um, I think Mavropanos will probably move on. I don't think that's working. He's gone on loan. Um, I think one of Socrates or Louise is under threat. And then obviously Mustafi potentially will go. So, And I can see Chambers sort of sticking around either as a, a fullback or as a holding midfielder potentially as well. So, I mean, it's, you know, I guess it's one of those, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Saliba's good enough or will be good enough, I think, if he gets enough run of games between now and the end of the season. Do you think it's a bit worrying that there's no talk of any centre-backs coming through from our under-23s. Like, surely, <laughs> with Mustafi being uh, as bad as he is slash was, you mm. think that Arteta would promote, you know, from the under-23s, and there's not been any, even any talk of uh, anyone potentially being kind of good enough uh, to come into yeah. the um, first team? We've, we've never... I don't know where he's gone. Is he injured or...? No, he's still at the club. He's not playing. That's when he called up for the first team much. We've no, never really no, produced any the, uh, the defensive one. kids out of the academy. No, not not since the so days. We've always of, been of wingers. Yeah. Wingers. <laughs> we've always ended up with wingers. You know, like um, Ben well, George Bird did one, tweet the other day. George Bird tweeted the other day that um, two of the um, under-18 or under-23 players have been called up to the first team to do some training, and one of them was a defender, and it wasn't no, Zach Medley. No. No, that's right. No. I saw your tweet. Mm. I, th- I, th- I think yeah. sometimes you, you just have you have to buy. Sometimes you can't always promote. Um, I agree with what Carl's saying, though. It's a bit worrying that you know we've, we've got this Hayland Academy. We, we're bringing through some really quality players but we're having to convert them into defenders rather than bringing through defenders but then we did that with Ashley Cole and that didn't work out so bad so I know. found it I, I yeah. think the play, I think the players that are Parmigiano paired up with that Saliba mm. would be magic and then yeah. what let's say is, when does Louise and Socrates uh, contracts go into their final year is it next year Louise only signed a two so, because yeah. then you wouldn't be so concerned whether or not you're giving him game time. Shh, mm. Let him run his contract out. It's not like it's a big deal. You mm. get the service out of him. You get his experience. You know. Exactly. And Socrates ends uh, in the summer of '21 as well. So they both got and um, you, one more full season. If you wait till the summer, that Apomisiano deal becomes much more doable. Although there will be other teams come into the play, but. Doing it in January is crazy. No, no. He's in. Um, he's in the final. He goes into the final year of his contract in the summer as well. So Leipzig will have to make a decision whether to keep him or sell him on. His value right. will, will decrease. And 
from from what I can gather from the people in in Germany who know more about this than I do, it sounds like um, Arsenal and and other clubs, but it sounds like Arsenal are, are more at the forefront of trying to negotiate the old well if we were to do this could we have that in the summer mm-hmm. i think that's kind of what we're looking to do and, and trying to get something in place so that when when the window closes we can just go in and we'll almost have like first refusal and whether mm-hmm. that re- involves a little bit of money transferring hands in january or something um you know remains to be seen but that i, I would rather go for a player of, of that sort of start style and, and age than than sign another player who's sort of 29, 30, who's only got short-term, yeah, short-term benefits. Arteta will work better with young players as well, I think. Totally. I found the um, the bit from George Bird, just checking on it, and uh, it's 22nd of December. He said, Matt Smith, James Oleinka, Tolaji Bola, and Zach Medley all trained with the first team before the Everton game. And we know Zach, Zach, Zach Medley is a, he can play at centre-back. And I think um, Bowler can also do that as well. So I think they may have been the young players that we're talking about. Um, we had we had that Bielek. Remember that Bielek? Mm, yeah, he's gone to Charlton. Um, no, not Charlton. Was it Derby. Bristol? Derby. Oh, Derby. Oh. Yeah, I know he went somewhere, and they're doing all right. But Derby, uh, I think they've um, they've shit the bed because they've paid an absolute fortune to get Wayne Rooney there, haven't they? We they also didn't think about it. We had that one kid with the Spanish yeah, name. Not kid. He was older. Julio Yeah. I think he ended up going back to, he's gone to um, the division team. Yeah, that's right. So what was your thoughts about the Chelsea game, Corey? Um, Myself? Yeah, what was the highlights for you? I like like a lot of people. I always go into every game thinking we're going to win. I'm crazy like that. Uh, so, you know, I had tweeted out there, here we go, let's go kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, it was just so much fun to watch. I, I, it was up and down. Even when we went down goals, my head went down and it was like, oh, bloody typical, you know. Uh, it was just so much more fun to watch because the team worked so hard. Even the red card was like, yeah, I slapped myself and I was just like, this is so typical, you know. Um what Louise did there uh, was not the right thing. But when I think about it, if I put myself in his shoes, I unfortunately would have done exactly the same thing. Um, now, whether that's the right thing or not, I don't know. But uh, that's what we were taught to do. Go through the man, take the foul. I've seen it many times. You know, um, People are saying, let him have the goal. I, I'm not sure if... Uh, the reaction would have been quite the same. Uh, I think people would have right. gone mad if he'd have done that. See, I'm going to beg to differ. I'm going to play yeah. devil's advocate right now. Now, if he had scored, like, don't you think we would have had a better chance of getting back into the game with 11 men rather yeah, than no, 10? I know. So yeah. I understand. I, I know the thought process going through David Luiz's mind. He didn't think it was going to be a red card. No way did he think that. He thought, you know what, I'll take the yellow card. It is what it is. When he got the red card, I, I truly believe he didn't think that he was going to get it uh, because that's because the first thing he'd done was point to Mustafi and say there was a man back on the line which I understand but he obviously didn't realise about you know you. I don't think hardly anyone realised about uh, yeah you got to make a, an attempt for the ball um, so uh, that's it but I don't know Like, just a quick question to, to all of you 
do you what would you rather him have done? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but Danny, would you rather him let him score and have eleven men, or would you rather him taking him out? Can I have the third option where he'd have taken him out and got the ball like um that that's 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 what you should have done. But if Sorry. you can't have the third option of him doing his job properly, I think I, Oops, I think uh, yeah, uh I think I'd rather him let the bloke score because most penalty and I don't know what the conversion rate for penalties are, but most penalties are scored, aren't they? So I think it probably would have been better for us to let him score and then we'd have had 10 men and then we wouldn't have... Uh, but then again, would we really have had the, the team unity? The In the old days, it used to be yeah. if, if Arsenal were down to 10 men or nine men, we played better. So I don't think if we'd have gone... If we'd have stayed with 11 men, I don't think we'd have played the way we did. So yeah, that's a really hard one. Also, think of it like this. So we've all kind of conceded that the rest of this season is, an, in effect, a uh, pre-season for the next season, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, so for instance, I think it was his first game in charge where uh, he made a remark in an interview, uh, Arteta, this is, made a remark in an interview where he said that he'd learned something about the team. He'd learned uh, what it was, what the team, how the team reacted to a goal. And so, for instance... Maybe in this respect, it's an opportunity for him to learn how the team reacts in a situation where he goes down a man. This is this is a, a a brand new manager with his own teams, so every experience for him is a new experience. So and I'm not arguing this, saying that it, it was necessary for us to go down a man, but in effect, because we went down a man, it gave him the opportunity to kind of open up his. Uh, learning book and and learn a whole new chapter of of uh, how this team plays if if you know what I mean. See what his players are made of. Yeah, we all did, and that and the end result of what happened, even be, even after such a silly thing to do, I I, I enjoyed it. The game was so <laughs> awesome. I mean, it was so much fun. I, I remember the Martinelli goal. I was screaming like. Like I was watching a 12-year-old kid run down the field. It was like watching my own son score a goal. It was amazing. I was screaming for the kid. It was awesome. Great fun. Chris? I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't add much more to that, really, in terms of the the, the overall – just just the overall feeling after the game, really, was, was just for it was – it felt like a win, um, and there was there's so many positives as well. And a, a lot of people were, were, were picking up on on Pakai Saka's performance at left back. I thought he was he was terrific, um, and um, obviously you know what, what more can I say about Martinelli? He, this is a kid who's who's come in. He, he came in as a player who I think we all expected to be part of the sort of the under 23s, a player who would be on the fringes of the first team bench here and there, and that would be about it. He's he's come in, and the, the biggest credit you can pay the lad is, is he he's now he, he's now in a position where he's played himself into the starting eleven, not just the squad into the starting eleven. It's now a situation where he's he's leapfrogged several players, and you know the, the, there's a, a real chance that when Aubameyang comes back from suspension, if Lack is still struggling, there's there's every chance that, that Arteta might might opt to um to put Martinelli into the side ahead of um. Cat's just going to the bathroom. Wait, get out. <laughs> <laughs> in a minute. Um, yeah, there might be might be a situation where where he will he will look at, at keeping Martinelli in in the side at the expense of one of those sort of key three players behind him. Um, just overall, I, 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 the thing that 
that really stood out for me last night was just that fighting spirit, the character, the aggression, the determination to never give up. Um, you know, Hector Bellerin coming back is a huge plus. Um, his goal, I don't think anyone expected that to go in. I did, I personally did think it was a goalkeeping error, but it was a good, good finish from him. Um, Lacazette's work rate again, you know, you can't fault the guy, he's going through a rough patch in front of goal, but his work rate was fantastic. I thought Xhaka at centre back was was incredible, really. I, I didn't expect that at all from him, if I'm honest. Um, his his sort of redemption has, has come about in, in a quiet way, which is the best way it could have done. Um, Rob Holding coming on um, was was important as well. I thought he sort of kept us kept us steady in that game. You know, overall, I, I just I just couldn't fault anything that the players did and, and the spirit that, that they've got in that camp is is fantastic. Hey, hey, Chris, can I just ask you? Yeah. Do you uh, what did what did you think of that whole uh, period where um, was it Abraham? His his leg was injured, I think, and they wanted to play it out, but the Chelsea player didn't play it out, so we all continued to play. That's where our yeah. goal came from. I mean, was that just not the craziest? I don't know. Was it two minutes of play? Well, I heard Arteta was at the sidelines shouting, fuck him, fuck him, go for the goal. <laughs> Fucking bus up in Fulham, fuckers. Okay, so if that's true, I love Arteta. He's the best <laughs> oh, I doubt ever. Yeah. <laughs> they had the chance to put the ball out, didn't they? So, I mean... <laughs> Well, that's yeah. it, right? Yeah, I felt I felt bad, kind of inside, until that moment when the Chelsea yeah. player had the opportunity to put it, and then I was like, "Yeah, screw it." Yeah, but why would you feel bad? They it wasn't a head injury; it was a foot injury. I'm a like, cynical romantic. I'm, I'm <laughs> nah, stupid like that, you know. Old enemy. I I I had no sympathy for them whatsoever and especially like you said Corey like when they had the opportunity to kick the ball out they decided to play and we won yeah. the ball back from them yeah. like fuck them like That's if it. you're not yeah. concerned about your own player then ironically, if they had put a ball out, we wouldn't have scored. So that's the that's the kind yeah. of the most ironic thing. But for me, uh, the whole like even like Martinelli's goal, that run, uh, we're touching awesome. it before we move on from the game. But the, the run was brilliant. I know you could say it's very fortuitous because um, Kante slipped over, but for him to carry on because he missed kicked the ball and most, some players would have just stopped running, but he carried on running. And when Kante slipped over, he, you know, even like um, they said in the commentary, he had so much time to think about where he was going to put the ball. Some players may have panicked in that moment and thought, shit, should I hit it high? Should I hit it low? Should I, you know, what should I do? And he just opened up his body's, uh, open up his foot, put it in, slid it past um, Kepa and, you know, for someone who is 19 years old, that, that uh, absolutely brilliant. It's just, you know, was there many people and his speed that he was running that as well. Like Pepe is not slow and Pepe could not keep up with him. Like uh, that just shows you just how fast. I mean, I know people say you might probably run faster with the ball than without, but um, for me, that was just brilliant. He's, he's a very, very good footballer and my, I guess my only fear is whether we are able to keep hold of him. I mean, right now, I don't understand how they're not slapping like a six-year contract on him uh, with a buyout oh, yeah. clause of like £255 million because that's what I would do straight away. Right now, you've got to renegotiate his contract because right now his agent 
will be talking to other clubs. That's a guarantee. No matter who his agent is, I'm telling you now, he's talking to other clubs. The oh, yeah. likes of the Barcelona. His dad, his dad is his agent. I bet yeah. you anything. So I have no doubt that his agent is talking to other clubs. And just to, you know, is he happy at Arsenal? You know, you know, if he come over to here, we could do this for him. Obviously, that word would be uh, in his agent's ear 100%. And we need to lock him down and make sure that he is one of our players for uh, a very long time. Listen, I, t- I tell you what, the next time you see him play, you say, you say how he had such a long time to think. The next time you see him play, you watch his eyes. He's got that look. You can just see it. He, the kid is hungry. The kid is going to do stuff. You can just see it in his eyes. I tweeted during the game. When we were one nil down, I, t- I said that all we needed to do is keep this tight and that kid was going to score. And sure enough, he did. It was awesome. That kid is awesome. Love Definitely. him. He's really been to Barcelona. In 2017, he had a trial at Man United. He played yeah, in the 18s They beat Lincoln City 2 nearly He played the second half. Then he went back and had another trial at Man United. Then he went to Barcelona in 2017 and had a trial. And I was trying to find some stats for him. So in 2017 for his club under 17, 17 goals in 25 games. And then in the league championship, they had the under 17 championship, 14 goals in 13 games. And then before we signed him in that same championship, he got six in 14. And under the under-19s, so that he would have been 18, he got six in four. And then in the Brazilian Youth Cup, he got four goals in five games. I mean, that, this stuff's really hard to find out, so it could be slightly wrong. But, but the gist of it is still there that, wow, what a player. But hopefully he'll look at it and go, well, Barcelona, they could have had me. Um, they said no. Arsenal mm-hmm. give me the chance to prove what a player I am. I'm getting first-team football. And he knows the, the situation where Bommy Young might want to leave, where he knows Lacazette isn't scoring goals. Well, that's another thing, um, Carl, with those two. Uh, what do you think is going to happen when all three are fit? Would you like to see um, Martinelli playing up front? Or do you think he doesn't need to play up front to do what he does? I mean, he's, he's just scoring from the wing, isn't he? I think... Because um, that combination he's got with Saka on the left is a thing of beauty already. Yeah, I think they're yeah. developing a very good partnership there, definitely. I think that, like Chris alluded to, Aubameyang's not having the best time at the moment. And uh, I think rightly so, when... Um, I do think rightly so, when Aubameyang comes back from his ban after the, um, the Bournemouth game... Uh, <laughs> Would I drop Lacazette? I probably would, if I'm if I'm really honest. Just because uh, sometimes you just need to reset. You know, I know like there are times where we had players and we tried to play them into uh, good form, but that can't always happen. Um, Abamir is not a bad player, but at the moment he's we can't afford to play Abamyang when we have. Um, the likes of Martellini, you, you can't really drop. Uh, sorry, um, Lacazette, sorry. You can't afford to drop Aubameyang when we have Martellini playing. Lacazette is just not scoring goals at the moment. So maybe he, he has to be a, a, an impact sub um, to see what happens. But at this precise moment, yeah, you've got to say Martellini has to start over Lacazette. What position though? Would you play him out wide still? No, I... I you got to play Aubameyang in his preferred position, which is centre forward, because he gets so many goals from there. So I personally would put um, Martinelli on the wing and maybe interchange them. Maybe you say for the first ten minutes, uh, Aubameyang, you play up front, and then you know slowly you just change with if you're getting no joy, then change with Martinelli, and then you change it again. Like you just 
interchange them every 20 minutes or uh, a half or a half if it's not working. When you see their fullback uh, getting a little tired, then you change them. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 they can they can be interchanged like 100%. So that's what I would do personally. The good thing is with Martinelli as well is <clears throat> he can play any way you ask him to play. He's, he's shown that he's just that encourage, he's just he's that kind of player that just wants to play and he'll he's comfortable cutting in. He's comfortable playing centrally. So like Carl said, if you've got an Abamian, for example, uh, on the other side or playing through the middle, players that are comfortable rotating in and out. Um, so I mean, he he's, he gives you that flexibility. The the one thing I did want to add though, um, in terms of the uh, in terms of the, what people have said, there's a lot of people I think um, a lot of nonsense has been talked about. Like is that, um there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, well. He's got to go. We just got to sell him. We've got to cash in. Like, why? Why? Why is it? Why can't we just have nice things? Uh, <laughs> why, why is it that every time we've got something good, we we have to immediately set fire to it and throw it out the window? You know, I think if you sat Alex down and said, you know, are you in your best form? I think he'd be honest enough to 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 step up and say, no, I'm not. You know, I think. I think Arteta's doing exactly the right thing at the moment. He's playing him through the patch of form. He's trying to get him back into form. It's one of those situations that the finish that he took when the goal was offside last night shows that he's still got the instinct. You know, he's not, he hasn't suddenly turned into Charlie Adam overnight. You know, he's still a very accomplished international centre forward, but, but he needs a goal. And, and, you know, this is, this has happened to other strikers in the past you know, it's happened to some of our greats. I remember Ian Wright going through a, a goal drought, not dissimilar. And, you know, nobody ever talks about talk about us flogging Ian Wright at the time. Sometimes you just got to play players through. Um, you know, if the player wants to move, that's different. But in terms of people saying, oh, no, you know, he's, he's this, he's that, he's not good enough, he hasn't scored away from home, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, OK, I get that. But what, why are we trying to sell one of our better players you know, again, and and people always say that you see this all the time on 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 social media. Oh, this guy's not good enough. He's got to go. Okay, that's fine. Well, when you're the managing director of Arsenal, when you're in charge of transfers about who you're going to replace him with, then then by all means go for it. But when you're sitting there tapping your keyboard or you know typing with your feet, as most people seem to do with the lack of intelligence they have. It's just a bit tiring, you know. It, it, it's so it's so silly to say, "Oh, just get rid of him," you know, like like it's a it's a one million pound conference player that, that you just take a loss on, you know. It, it's it's madness, and and I just think that we're very very quick to just say, "Oh, a player's lost it because he's had a couple of games," and and this is the other thing with Laka. It's not like his work rate's gone down, you know. It's not like he's not putting in performances. Everything is there, but the goals. And I know people will say, "Well, he's a striker; should score goals." I get that. Um, I hope he plays against Bournemouth at the weekend, and I hope he gets a hatful, or you know, at least gets gets back into the you know to the scoring charts. Um, and you'll see a different player. And and people also forget how good a player he makes the rest of the front line with his work rate. If you take that out of the front line, do we have the the consistency in in that position? You know, does Martinelli have a, a, a focal point to play off last night if Lack is not there? Probably not. Uh, so. You know, uh, I would, I would totally. I want, I wanted to say exactly that. We've got, we've got to be more fair to Lacken because of the way we're using him, he's being used like a wall, right? He's doing a lot more yeah. of the bringing. He comes in deeper with his back to the net, and there's more of a bounce off of him. Is what his job. So, 
although he is not performing, his 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 shots aren't quite making it, his touch isn't quite giving it. You're totally right. He's giving us a lot of work in other parts of the field that's setting up other players' ability to go and attack the net. So yeah. we have to be careful how much we heck we give to him because he's providing a lot. He's also taking a harsh beating uh, by being that wall. He's getting kicked constantly. He's getting fouled constantly. He's a little, he's kind of short. So I think the referees don't seem to give him a lot of the benefit of the doubt. He does also have a habit of exaggerating things a little bit. I'll say, let's put it that way. And he's not diving around. Well, I say not diving, not rolling around as much as he did before. Because when he first started playing, I remember thinking, "Oh, he can't do that here. You're not going to get away with that here." But he does have that in him, doesn't he? Yeah. He seems to but be again, evolving quickly. I again, just checked Tierra on Trump. He's right-footed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Is, yeah. Did you know, I know he's playing on the left last night? But he said they say he's right-footed, but I think he could be either-footed, couldn't he? He's got so much skill. He's comfortable on both, but he is predominantly a right-footed finisher, mm. if you will. Yeah. But that's what um, our why plays do because you look at Pepe. Pepe is very, very, very much left-footed. That plays on the right, so that's what he's kind of doing, cutting yeah. on his uh, opposite side, and you know, get that shot off. But. You know, Martinelli can, he's very comfortable no matter where he plays. What do you think of the combination of Bellerin and Pepe? That combination. Like we've now, we're, we're witnessing Saka and Martinelli seem to be really bonding something together on the left side. What do you think of the possibilities that Bellerin and Pepe could, because re- with Pepe constantly wanting to cut it, cut in, and Bellerin constantly wanting to go to the line. Do you not see that that could be that could really work really well? I mean, he's got to get time, isn't it? I think um, oh, first yeah. of all, Pepe needs to establish himself, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this about our record uh, signing. He needs to establish himself in the team because at the moment he, you know, one day he's in, one day he's out. You know, I think Arteta is slowly but surely getting him uh, into the team, which is a, a very good thing. Uh, I don't. I, personally, I'd be very surprised if Bellerin played against Bournemouth, just because if you've been out for so long and then he played a full ninety minutes. And he gave uh, it everything as well. Yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if uh, Bellerin's uh, on the pitch. Sorry, it starts at least against Bournemouth. I'd expect to see Ainsley uh, definitely come in uh, against Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could develop a, a, a partnership all over the pitch. You know, you really could. I think um, I think our team for Bournemouth is going to be a bit battered and bruised um, or at least, you know, because like I said, it has to play. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out, right? So you, you're looking at a, a centre-back partnership of Holding and Mustafi. You're looking at that, you think, you know, it, it does, you know, beg belief. In the moment. You can just see what's going to happen. Holding's going to get injured. And, oh, my God. <laughs> no, 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 no. Be positive. But no, like, uh, you know, so all hell um i mean who, who knows uh socrates might come back he he might you know magically because it's been known hasn't it like players are out oh look you know uh these players are back so you know, good game for him to come back into as well wouldn't it? yeah if, if socrates if socrates is fit he starts mm. he 100 percent starts like i have no if ands or buts but if it's not then you are looking at mustafi and holding and you know i, I think that we've had 
so many different combinations of centre back pairings this season, haven't we? Uh, I don't think anyone would have thought that Socrates and Holding would uh, ever start uh, a game together, maybe in the Europa in early stages. But you know, let's not write them off. We'll see what they can do. Um, it, it's a challenge. We are going to go f- uh, full strength, I think, against Bournemouth because I think the FA Cup is something that Arteta wants has to go for. He has to. He has to go for a cup. So we're not going to play any of the quote-unquote kids. We are going to uh, go uh, for it straight. And we've got till Monday to get those players bit of rest times well, haven't we? we've got a bit of a longer weekend to get players fit yeah so, i mean there's that as well and and bournemouth you you'd think their focus would be premier league at the moment you know i'm not saying they're what they're going to throw this game but you think where they are on the league they need to focus on premier league rather than a cup run so i don't think they they would be yeah, as up for it and maybe or not as focused maybe it's a better way of putting it than, than they would be if they were comfortably mid-table and could afford to put in a full strength side and i think they've got a few injuries and suspensions as well so you know, like like Carl says, a, a cup run. Not only is it a cup we could potentially win, um, but it's also it's that momentum thing. You know, the, the more it's why I always sort of cringe a bit when I see a, a reduced um, strength Europa side against the non-rubbers. I'd rather I'm not saying we play full strength, but I'd rather see us keep winning and get the momentum. It's nothing worse than winning three or four games and then rotating the side and losing and losing that momentum swing. I think you know we're unbeaten in was it six games now. Um, which was unthinkable a while ago. I know a lot of those have been draws, but try and keep that momentum going. And, and you know, as you say, cup competition, get through this round, you get a slightly easier draw next round potentially, and you're in a court final. It's, it comes around quite quickly. At the round, before we go to listeners' questions, I've got a question for Chris. Um, I was looking at Saliba's stats last night. Started off the season, didn't play any games. He had a thigh injury. Then he came back and played one minute. And then they played the next four games uh, of full 90 minutes. They didn't lose a game. They played brilliantly. And then he got a metatarsal injury. Is that something? That's two separate injuries. Is that something yeah. that we should be worried about? Or are they just things that can happen to anybody at any time? No, I, th- I, th- I don't think you need to worry too much. I mean, the the, the French league is, is a lot more physical than, than a lot of the European leagues. There's a lot more, uh, shall we say, uncompromising defenders about and, and forwards about. It, it is quite a, a rough and tumble league. Injuries a little bit more... Um, a little bit more common and to be honest I think that's part of the reason why we've left him back on loan for the season so that he can toughen up and, and build up his strength he, he got very unlucky basically two injuries you know similar on, on different feet so uh, I, th- I think he, I think he'll be fine I mean you can never tell who's going to be quote-unquote injury prone or whatnot and, and let's be honest I think I tweeted about this the other day somebody said about this Barbosa lad that we're looking at in Brazil and somebody posted a tweet saying that he's played every single game um, in the last 40 games or something without injury. And I tweeted, well, that will soon change when he arrives at Arsenal. Mm. It's one of those things that as soon as they pitch up at, at Colney, something seems to go wrong. Um, I do I do actually think um, there's a bloke we, we used to have on this podcast called Dom. I don't know where he's gone, but hopefully if he comes back soon, it um, be interesting to see what his thoughts are on the current medical situation at the club, because it does feel like we've taken a few steps backwards on that. In that regard, um, since we've lost a few of the, um, I don't know whether it's conditioning guys or the, the, you know, the treatment stuff, but yeah, it does feel like we've taken a bit of a step back this season in terms of the injuries. And um, if Arteta is going to employ the style that that Pep has at City, um, we're going to need to be a bit more robust than we have been in previous um, management sort of terms. So yeah, I, I don't think there's too much to worry about with Saliba. But as with everybody, you can never tell until they settle into the league. 
Mm. If anyone's wondering where Dom is, he moved from Australia to Canada about four years ago, and now they've kicked him out. He's had too much snow. He's gone back to sunny Oz, and he's uh, he's busy there. I think I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He said he's only had time to see one game because now his, his um, time's all messed up. So unless he wants to stay up to four o'clock in the morning and then try and work, it's it's not going to happen. So yeah, Dom's still with us, if um, if in spirit, maybe not in um, actual physically. Here. Yeah, Carl, do you want to do the um, listeners' questions? Yes, Daniel, I do. Oh, thank you, Carlos. No worries. Do you know that's my real name? You didn't know that, did you? Because you're lying. You're, trying, really? you're trying to trap me again. Uh, your name is Carlos. My word. My parents are crazy hippies. Oh, nice. <laughs> Especially with a K as well. Like, why would you spell Carlos with a K? Why not? Yeah, you, you want to watch people who spell them with their first names with a K. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the first question is from Jamie McRobb, and he says, Chelsea's second goal wasn't Abraham off the pitch. Therefore, according to Law 3, requires uh, referees' permission to re-enter. Play yeah. should have been stopped, uh, and Abraham should have been booked. Uh, I don't know, so I'm going to pass this over to our football expert, Chris. Do you know? He didn't yeah. come to me, because I had no idea. <laughs> I, I thought it was sus. I must admit, seeing the replay where you see him run basically across the eye line of, of Leno. I did think it was a little bit sus. The the rule is that yes, you are not you're not permitted to enter the field of play until the referee gives you um gives you a clear instruction to do so. Even down to the the idea like if you take it back to Sunday League like you did earlier, Carl, if um if I want if a player wanted to come off the pitch for a drink, they're not allowed to exit the field of play to get the drink. That's why you see a lot of players have the bottles thrown on or they stand on the pitch and the, the, the coaching staff holds, hands it to them over the over the, the, the touchline. Um, Burnley are 1-0 up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's it's one of those situations where the ruling is players should only be on the field of play when invited or when, when, it, when given the opportunity to do so. Um, so, yeah, I mean... You know, it's one of those. The other, the other argument is if um, if uh, who was it who let his man go? Was it was it Mustafi again who let his man go? I, I can't remember who it was. Somebody, I think yeah, somebody let the man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah so I mean, funny. you know, so I mean, when you look at it like that, you could say, yeah, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but we could also have defended it a lot better. But yeah, by the by the letter of the law, um, I was surprised to see him running straight across. Uh, it's, on, it's on the replay. I caught it, and you just see him running across the eye line of. Of Leno, and I thought, hmm, bit sus, but mm. you know, it is what it is. If only we had some sort of camera technology, technology uh, technology. like a that, that referee, you know, uh, yeah. could uh, <laughs> watch that video, you know, to, to see. But you know, crazy times, Chris. Crazy one times. One day, one yeah. day. All right, Corey. This one's question is to you, and this is from One Armed Bastard, and he says. Which player under 25 years old do you expect not to be at Arsenal come September? Mavropanos. I would have to agree with you there. Uh, Danny, any update on that one? Do you, who do you think will not be at the club? I think there's been quite a few players that have been hanging on and not playing many games, mainly because of injury or because they're just not fitting into the squad. I think if you scroll down to the players that have been, haven't really played much, Matt Macy's 25. He's a goalkeeper. He'll, be, he'll probably go. Um, I've never been overly impressed by Mavropanos, which is a bit of a shame because he's only 22. Um, Smith Rowe 
there's uh, another one. He's he's not a defender, but he's 19. I'm I'm not sure it's going to work out for him there. Eddie Nketiah, um Hopefully, once uh, um, Alba's back, then Eddie's going to get get some more games and then maybe go out on loan. But as just for defence, was it all players under 25 or just defenders? I just oh. uh, players under 25. But going back to um, Eddie, I don't think he can. You can't no, play no, for no. more than three. You can't play for three clubs, can you? And he's played mm. for us and Leeds, so he's with us for the rest of the season now, isn't he? I think, yeah, I think it's I think in any calendar year. Mm. Is it? Is it calendar? Oh, okay. I, think I, I, I don't. I don't think. I think they've made it clear they want to keep him. I, I think. I think well, he'll I be in the first team plans for the rest of the season. Yeah, as a rotational backup. You know, particularly if you've got Martinelli or Aubameyang playing wide, then it makes sense, doesn't it? We're just on the fringe of that. Kalasnich is twenty-six. I think his time may well be up. Mm. Because he's um, his the position he plays and the way that he plays it, he can't be relied on, which is a shame. Because I like having nuts players. Uh, Sabios, oh, lovely. Um, an actual depend on whether we bring in Kazawa, by the way. Because if we don't, then you wouldn't sell. We've only got two left backs as it is. You wouldn't sell another one, would you? You're not no. a fan of him, are you? Who? I saw you do a tweet and it didn't start with unpopular opinion, so I ignored it. What were you saying about <laughs> Kazawa? And then, no, no, I, no, I'm, I'm one of the few people that's defended Kazawa. I, I, but, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm on the fence because if it means that, that Saka doesn't get games, then I'm not. I, it's one of those, you know. I'm not against us bringing in a player as cover. But I don't think we necessarily need him if Saka's going to play like he did last night. The problem with young players playing that position, as we've seen with um, uh, blah, 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 what's his face, um, Ainsley Maitland Niles, is they can play two or three games brilliantly and then also have three or four games where they're not so good because they're learning the position. So it's it's one of them, you know, because Zauer is a natural right, a natural left back. But Kalasinac is. I don't know. I I, I, I I run up and down with Kalasnach. One minute I think, yeah. Another time I go, defensively, he's always going to be suspect. But then Kazawa's also the same, you know? But do you think there's better players out there than Kazawa for us, Chris? Like, cause oh, yeah, yeah. Our, as you know, our recruitment policy has not been the best. And I don't want it just to be a flipping uh, a stopgap. We we need to stop those no. sort of signings. So would you say Kazawa is a stopgap player or is it a player that, you know, could come in and actually do a job because okay you look at that Kieran Tyranny uh, maybe he's our first choice left back would because uh, mm. I'll be happy being you know back up to Tyranny or do you think he actually might be better than Tyranny mm. but, but I think I think the problem I think maybe the problem they're looking at is is Tyranny's had a lot of injuries and maybe they're looking at it and thinking we just need to bolster that position in case Tyranny goes down again because he has had a few injuries at Celtic prior to this shoulder problem, don't forget. Um, he's also still learning the league. He's still quite young, isn't he, as well, Tierney? So, I don't know. Isn't Any he, other options? Isn't, well, he you, in- you, you, isn't he? Isn't the injury, isn't it the same injury, though? It was a hernia, right? Um, he's, he out with his, he's out with his shoulder no, I know problem. It's, I know it's, oh, yeah, the, I realize the it's previous. Right, right. And mm. I, I think that the injury that he had was so bad was a hernia. And, and it's, I mean... It's a nasty little operation, and uh, you know it's going to take a while to heal. I don't know that he was injured a lot, so to speak. I think it was just that he was. That's a nasty injury, and it yeah. took him quite a long time to heal from. It. And then on, 
I think the shoulder thing was something that he came to us with. With yeah, we yeah like and then he re-injured it. Well, this time yeah. it was his. I'm just looking at it, here, but I do know this time he injured his right shoulder, and it was his oh. left he injured before. But he's only 22, and so far he's had uh, he was out for 85 days with ruptured ankle uh, ligaments, then calf injury, then a knock, 77 days with a hip injury, and then another hip injury for 13 days, groin surgery, and then hip injury for 93 days, and now so far shoulder injury, and he's been out for 96 days. So that question, that question. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go, go for it. The, the question earlier was from a guy named One Arm Something or Other. So I figure we should just cut yeah. both Tierney's arms off and call him the No Armed. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you want competition for places in all positions on the pitch, don't you? If you can get yeah. it, and and uh, and if, you know, because like no no player should ever be signed and play every week. And and if Kazawa doesn't like that, then we shouldn't sign him. That said, if if we can get him on a free in the summer or on a reduced fee in January, uh, I'm not against the idea because I I do still think there is a player there. Um, but it, but I, you know and and it just it just depends on on Kalasnach because the other thing as well is you we might not we might not be privy to what's going on with Kalasnach. He might have asked for a move in the summer. He might have said he wants to move on. You know they might be looking at playing Kalasnach. You know the, the fact we can play two, two different formations. You know Kazawa and Kalasnach are are two very offensive wing-back style uh, full-backs. Tierney can play as an out-and-out left-back, so maybe we're looking at it thinking, actually, we could do with full-backs on both sides who can play in multiple roles as, as a back three or a back four. Um, so, I mean, you know, one of the things I get asked all the time whenever we're linked with a player who's either French or plays in Liga, the first thing people tweet me is, can he play anywhere else? It's almost like we have to sign players that can play in eight different positions. Because um, our can't, you know, he, he's a left wing back or left back. That's it. And you know, I I, I just I, the the other thing as well is that Arteta might well be looking at Saka, thinking, yeah, he's done a brilliant job at left back, but I want him further up the pitch. You know, I want him to play as a left winger. I want him to. Reese Nelson's injured again at the moment. You know, with with um, with Elba suspended, and you know, we're only another, we're only another injury in that forward line away from having no options as as wide players again. You know, only takes Pepe or, or Martinelli to go down with an injury. And Martinelli's had a couple of injuries, don't forget, as well. You know, maybe Arteta's looking at it saying, yeah, Saka's doing a great job at, at uh, left full-back, but we actually need him further up the pitch. So let's get an actual left-back in who can do the job and, and have Saka in front of him, maybe. So, interesting. That, tough one to know. That would free up Xhaka as well, right? With yeah, exactly. We're using Xhaka in this left-post position, which he doesn't want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And you know, who knows what this window will hold, I guess. But anyway, Danny, back to you. I think you muted, girl. I knew that. Question, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, for Corey, and this is from Kyle. And he says, we used to say that this group of players were uncoachable. How much has this perception changed and who has been benefited, benefited from it most? Wow. So in in my in my opinion, I would disagree with anyone who said that the group of players is incoachable, just because I believe that any player is coachable. Uh, I think it was more that there was a gap in communication, possibly. Uh, I'm not so sure that uh, what the previous manager was trying to do is so different. I think a lot of managers are basically all trying to do the same thing, if you ask me. 
It's just the ones who manage to actually make a connection with the players who are going to succeed. So, um, certainly, I certainly disagree with the, the, the point that the players are uncoachable. There was players definitely who decided not to do their best. Now, that's a different question. I don't know that they completely down tools, but there's such shocking differences in players that you'd have to kind of ask the question. Uh, for example, that I would give is a David Luiz. Um, you'd ha you would think it was two completely different players, the player that we had at the beginning of the season to the player that we had, uh, you know, for the past few games. Let's take out the Chelsea game aside. But, uh, I mean, that's my... Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. Yeah, that's Attitudes um, have changed, haven't they? Attitudes have changed. Even you know what I will? I will add, though. I will add. I get a little tired of this kind of uh, um, shielding of players as such. Mm. They're not stupid people. They, they, they know their job. They know what they're supposed to do. And sometimes we kind of go with this attitude like they're – animals that need to be led to what they're supposed to do. I mean, a lot of the times you actually need to let them find what they're going to do. So I think Arted is doing a good job. I'll go back to that. Mm, great. Uh, Danny, this is for you, and this is from uh, William Holmes. And he says, on the basis we are mid-table, when the Europa, oh God, and basically when mid-table when Europa League comes around, what do you prioritise as a competition over the league? So, uh, do you play the first team for Europa, um, or would you play the young players, give them Premier League experience? So, right now, if the Europa League come back, and we was I don't know where we are now, tenth, I want to say eleventh. Yeah. Uh, what would you prioritise? Um, we're playing Olympiacos. They are a half decent Greek team, but they are a, they are bottom half of the Premier League. So I don't think we need to worry about those too much. So I'll carry on going the way it is. Our best players play in the Premier League, and our fringe players can play in the uh, Europa League and carry on like that. Um, I th one of you said that you'd like quite like us to go far in the FA Cup. I'd like to go as far as possible, unless it looks like we're going to meet Liverpool in the final and then abort, 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 because I do not want to lose to those bin-dipping scumbags in the final again. <laughs> All be part of their quadruple celebration or septuplet or how many fucking trophies the FIFA have managed to swindle for them, the scumbags. But at the moment, I don't think it's a real issue because Olympiacos aren't anything great. So carry on as we are. I have to agree. Uh, we kind of spoke about this, so I'm kind of I'm going to read the question, but we don't need to go into too much detail. Uh, this is from Jay Arsenal, and he says, "I read that Lacazette scored one away goal all year. Um, why do you think that is?" Um, I'll take this one. I, I think it's, it's more than definitely. <laughs> well, it's just a confidence issue, isn't it? Like like Chris said, I think once he gets one goal, I think the goals will flow. And yeah, I think we can all definitely agree that Lacazette is not playing very well at the moment. You know, there's no hiding from it. Um, but is it just a goal scoring? You know, um, we need him to definitely score goals for us. We can't just keep relying on Aubameyang and, well, now Martellini. But we definitely need more from him. Um, uh, like Chris, I'm not advocate. I don't want to get rid of him. Um, but does he need to play better? You know, yes, he does. I don't think there's any uh, hiding from the fact that he has to play better. Uh, he has to get 
goals because that's ultimately what he's on the pitch to do. And uh, you can say the work rate is good, and it is. The work rate is, is very good, but ultimately you're on that pitch, my friend, to score goals, and he's not doing that at the moment. And he just needs to. I think once he gets one goal, and you know he will play against Bournemouth. I have no doubt about that, and I'm hoping that you know he does get one or two goals from Bournemouth, and then the goals start flowing. Then obviously when the Bamian comes back in the game after that partnership gets recreated, then you know we start getting uh, the Laka Bamian partnership back. Some of it is how we use him as well. That's the other yeah. thing that's worthwhile making a note of. You know, he's deployed very differently away from home than he is at home, and he's afforded a lot less space away from home than he is at home. So, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind. But Carl's, what Carl said is spot on for me. Yeah, right. Chris, this question is specifically for you. Uh, don't Davies it, please. Uh, it's from Phantom AFC, and it says, For Chris, is it possible for Nicolas Pepe and Mesut Ozil to play together for the majority of games, or does it have to be one or the other in the starting lineup? Um, I'll do this in a short answer. Yes, it is, but I don't particularly want to see it. That's how I'd answer that. Um I think I, I think I think personally the the Ozil Arsenal thing is has run its course now. I I just do. Um, I know. I know that you can make stats fit whatever you want them to fit, and I think a lot of people do that. You you can find a statistic that backs up your point one way or the other. You can always find one. I like to trust my eyes, and what my eyes tell me is that when oppositions line up against Arsenal and they see Mesut Ozil on the side, they know that as long as you close down the space and you don't give him the options to slide through balls through the middle, he isn't going to do a lot. And mm. me, that that time, the, the game has moved on. Um, Mesut has never been a quick transition, you know, fast-paced, attacking, dynamic, drifting wide number 10. He's always been a number 10. If he was around in the in the era that, that Dennis was around, we'd probably talk about him in the same same level, um, you know, if, if not higher, because the, his mercurial talent and, and his ability on the ball is second to none if you give him time and you give him space and you have runners either side. We just don't have that. We, we aren't afforded that. And, and teams are... 20 years ago, if you played Burnley at home, Burnley would be managed by a bloke called... Donald Burnley, who wore a flat cap, smoked a pipe at half time, and all of his back four were called Smith. And, you know, he'd write his team on a fag packet. Even the likes of Sean Dyche or, you know, an Eddie Howe or uh, whoever, all of the managers in the Premier League now are tactically aware. Even the shit managers are tactically aware and, and have thousands of pounds worth of um, technology and. Uh, um, what's the word? Well, technology and support me- support mechanisms, scouting, everything. Everything is done within an inch of its life. Football's moved on, um, and unfortunately, I think the game has moved on from where Meza is. And 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 if he go, and again, it comes back to this going to a lesser league. If he goes to a, a slightly lower league, I think he'll I think he'll shine once again. But in the Premier League and in the style of football that we play. I just, I just don't, I just don't think there's room for him. There isn't really room for David Silver at Man City anymore, and he's been one of the best Premier League players ever, you know, on his day. But even he isn't getting the games. It's Bernardo Silva, it's Riyad Mahrez, because they're the type of players that can unlock defenses. Um, Juan Mata, another 
classic classic example united crying out for for um artistic endeavor for uh, you know a player who can put his foot on the ball and create something but they can't play matter for longer than 20 30 minutes because you know he's, he's this pace wise is just he's not at, the, at that level so sorry i have gone on a bit there but I, I just i think the i think the model moving forwards is is a pepe um and and i think yeah you hang on to Urzel for the rest of the season because he can still contribute but at the end of this season i'd love us to move to a different style of play and and have a i don't mind us having a central 10 if you will but i want it to be a 10 that moves around and contributes can drift wide as well i want a fluid three not just a one static one and two either side so almost like a, a welsh number eight that we had no, because we all know he was shit and injured all the time anyway, so there's no point bringing him up. Too many flicks and tricks. Yeah, yeah, back heels and all that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, you know, that, yes, yes. And, and with, without willing to poke, to poke the dragon, um, you do want a player who is a little bit less... That's the only thing that, that Aaron had against him was his injury record. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but almost like a bit of a Nasri player is what I'd like to see. Not him, obviously, but that type of player. Um, somebody who, who, can, who can break the lines and, and pick the ball up. A Fabregas with pace, if you will. That's the sort of player I'd like to see. I, I really hope it might be Danny Ceballos, but you know, a lot of people don't agree with me on that one, which is fair enough. But I, I, well, I'd like to see. Hopefully he'll come back in. And mm. we'll see. Right, this uh right get through these right Danny quickly uh this one from uh Jim Helson and he says Tottenham have recently overtook Arsenal in the revenue table obviously no Champions League is a factor but what other reasons are there for Arsenal being so poor revenue creators now we pay a lot of money for players pay too much wages for these players and then they leave for nothing that's pretty that's how you do it Chris to be honest uh, Corey, this one's for you. This is from Liam. He says, after what you saw of Arteta, uh, are you optimistic that he can bring Champions League football back to Arsenal? Uh, if he's asking next season, no. If he's asking after a couple of seasons, sure. Yeah, I'm optimistic. Yeah. But uh, not next year. No. Not unless we win the Europa League. Sorry, yeah. There is a, obviously a path for us. He has an opportunity, but I think the teams that have come down into the Europa League for us are going to be too strong. I don't see us having the same opportunity that we had last year. This is very true. And uh, weirdly, we already answered this question, but I will read his question out from Gunadab. He says, Hector aside, why do you think the academy haven't produced any real defenders who can play consistently first-team football or are sold? All our top talent seems to be attackers, even Aisley Maitland-Niles come through as an, an offensive player. And we did uh, definitely talk about that, that you know, no defenders have kind of come through. I think Hector, Ashley Cole... Uh, is are probably the only ones everything has been uh, offensive why is um maybe it's just ingrained for the whole club that we're just not good at defending unfortunately it's um it's a shame because uh, not to go back to Danny's era but you you do want like the likes of uh, Tony Adams to come through I mean I don't think that footballer that type of footballer exists anymore you know the you know the the hard nosed bastard as 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 they call it but you know just a defender that can play I mean um I can't really think I know there's um 
players who have come through and are kind of gone here, there and everywhere. Um, but I don't know. It's it's just a coaching thing. I think maybe the players that we think are good enough are just not good enough. And unfortunately, I think football is a commodity now. And I think if you've got a half-decent player and they're not going to make your first team and you can sell them, we're going to do that now. Could it, could it be a philosophical thing of the academy? So, for instance, um, maybe a, uh, an effect of having Wenger as the manager of our club for so long meant that our academy was much more oriented towards producing offensive players, let's say, for example. So then you move to another club, let's say, uh, wherever, Ajax, and you, 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 you find that they may produce a similar sort of player, although now they're producing... Hard-nosed defenders, delete, uh, whatever this kind of player that's come through. So maybe it's a this type of club has a philosophy of this type of football. Therefore, their academy produces all these defenders, defensive midfielders, and then you have a club over here that's philosophy is much more attack-minded. So their academy produces uh, more attack. Uh, minded players. Do you not think that that's kind of how it works? It's yeah, I mean, impossible for a club to produce both. I mean, you're talking you're talking on factors of like one percent, right? So, for every you know hundred kids who you scoop into an academy system, you're looking at hopefully, hopefully getting one of those kids to a polished position to become an actual first team player, right? So, what's the likeliness of actually producing? a plethora of these talented players, you know? I guess it's kind of a, a once-in-a-generation Without- thing as well. I think if you look True. at, you know, the likes of Tony Adams, he 100% was a once-in-a-generation thing. You look at the likes of Ashley Cole, the best left-back, okay. uh, once-in-a-generation thing. You know, John, like you said, John Terry, is people like that you will never see. Well, you never know, but... I personally don't think you'll ever see another left back as good as Ashley Cole. He was mm. on his day brilliant. No, as much as uh, we hate the way he left us, you can't deny his talent. It was phenomenal, and mm. you know he also we can produce them. It's just you don't get them very very yeah. often. You're right, and, and also without going too far down the rabbit hole here, um, the whole Brexit thing is going to change how players bring in. Yeah. Our clubs bring in players now. You know, it's not like the days where we could go and scoop Fabregas and the likes of him from Barcelona's academy and, and then treat them as our own. We are now going to have to um, <laughs> go down that route of English only or UK only. And and technically, I, I've said this for years, my old granddad, God rest his soul, would say this till he was blue in the face. British players are just not ever technically as good as European players. They're not coached the right way. They're not given the best facilities. Um and, and you're having to find the best of a, an average bunch of sort of street football and, and park football to then bring into the very elite academy. And of that group, you're probably going to find less homegrown players than you are if you scooped 20 players from a Barcelona academy that you know have had the very best from day one. Yeah, you might want to find somebody involved in grassroots uh, football to talk about this with and see what those problems, where they come from, right, Chris? Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe somebody wins more games than this guy does, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking more about the conditions that you have to work against. I'm oh God, yeah, yeah, that. absolutely. We're, that has a huge, huge bearing. Yeah, yeah it has Absolute. a huge bearing on things. 
Right, Danny, that's listeners' questions. Uh, I believe we're going over to Chris. Hmm. Yes. Uh, Fives Forum. Uh, Carl's new best friend, Mr. Fife. Then. Hashtag Fife. Um, so the question. Hashtag The uh, question posed was after last night's thrilling comeback. What has been your favourite ever comeback? Um, the Gooners podcast. Whoever they are. Uh, live show at 10.45pm tonight, according to Danny. So there you go, that's your free plug. Um, my favourite comeback was when Britney Spears temporarily stopped being batshit crazy and returned to doing a regular show in Las Vegas looking as hot, so I did it again. Very good. Um, one Arm Bastard at Reading 2012 or Tottenham 2009. Uh, for memory, the Tottenham one was the, was that the Fabregas two goal in a minute thing? And the Reading, was that the 7-3 or 7-5, whatever that was? 7-5. 7-5. 4-0 down at half-time, I think. Classic Arsenal game, that one. Um, our Josh Frankfurt at home was Emery got the sack. Was that Josh or Jace? I don't know. Um, <laughs> podcast again, weighing in with... Oh, hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, that's a question. Sorry. Danny, you've put a question there, you Egypt. It's all right. I'll let you off. You know, you're an amateur. It's fine. Kyle, 2011, Arsenal Barcelona. I shall have 2-1. Great shout. Um, and uh, Ryan Kualasi, Kualaki, uh, 5-2 win at the Emirates after being 2-0 down uh, North London derby. That Was the was that the motorcycle header or the Sanya header? Sanya. Those two, that was, yeah. was it? That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah amazing game. Um, what was the question of Mike sent then? Uh, Mike, Mike sent, sent the question, uh, How we? much would you accept for Mark? Yeah, how much would you accept for Martinelli? He's a, you wouldn't. And of that money, how much would the proceeds go to end spent? <laughs> how much of the proceeds of that sale would would end up being spent on spiffy new Lee Gunner merchandise? Be honest, I'm not even touching that one. Um, <laughs> See that um, <laughs> C wording on Bellerin uh, and a video, and it's just going round and round and round because we all know the internet does not forget, and he's made himself look no. like a right tool. Yeah, sad. Um, yeah, uh, uh, who, who, what comebacks do we... I'm going to get mine in first because um, I know somebody will steal it if I don't. Uh, Come down for Bridge, for me. I just, I just, that game was just... Last night almost reminded me of that game. Uh, we were 2-0 down. Um, I think we were out of it. And then Kanu just did a madness. And then that third goal to win it was just utterly insane. The only other one I would throw in, hopefully I'm not stealing this off anybody, was the Middlesbrough game in the invincible season with Reyes God rest his soul um, as well coming out of nowhere and scoring that goal but has anyone got anything they want to add to that? I think for me it's got to be when we was 2-0 down to the scum and we came back to win 5-2 that was I remember that game mm. uh, I was watching it on TV and I think I may have lost my voice because after being 2-0 down and you're shouting at the TV and then <laughs> the goals start pouring in and then I'm, I still remember um, they were showing the highlight of uh, Fabregas scoring and Fabregas, uh, yeah. was it Fabregas or was it and no, then Fabregas scored. Uh, you know is Van Persie scored, wasn't it? And then you heard, mm. oh, they're in again. And then it just passed to Fabregas who ran away <laughs> celebrating. Because everyone's like, what the fuck? What's going on? Like, And then, then they showed the replays. Like, oh, my God, like, we scored. Like, and that was uh, brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, that's that's my favourite comeback. Yeah. 
Any to add to that, Corey? Can you think of any others? Uh, you know, I was thinking about it, and I'm far too scarred by comebacks from other teams coming back yeah. to tie us up and so on. And, uh, yeah, so I was overwhelmed with thought. For some reason, a Newcastle game stands out. But um, Oh, the 4-4. God, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, was that uh, that guy, too. He was coaching them. I couldn't stand that guy. Uh, can't remember. Oh, joking here. Was um, joking I, I no, was the guy who ended up Crystal Palace. He ended up everywhere, I think. Is it Pardew then? Pardew. No, was Pardew there? That's that? Yeah, that was Pardew. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Oh God, yeah. he's now managing in Dutch football. Yeah, um, you know, if, if I was going to pick one though, it would probably be Burkamp against uh, Leicester. Uh, only because oh, that was yeah. the first year that I was exposed to the Arsenal properly, and uh, the three-three draw. A 3-3 draw. And yeah. it was what really started out my whole let's follow the Arsenal. Um, yeah. It was an yeah. underrated comeback. So we, I think we were 2-1 and or 2-0 two, two, no, and 3-1 down, I think, in that game. Yeah. 2-1, yeah. I'm not the, other, the other one that uh, I just suddenly thought of as well, does anyone remember the game away at Bolton in the pissing rain when Fabregas scored late on and we won 3-2? Uh, I remember we were in that, Bolton being we, such a it was it was a way at the Reebok Stadium. We were in our maroon and blue hooped kit, if you remember that one. Um Google it. But it was a yeah, we were we were we were trailing in that game 2-0 and we came back to win 3-2. Wasn't it there a Liverpool one as well? Um yeah, there might well have been. It was away, I think um I wanna say we was wearing a purple kit. Oh yeah, 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 the purple hoops, but also yeah. Podolski yeah, yeah. always one nil down that game and we came back to win two one. Mm. And of course the Edu the Edu Pires goal at Anfield when we were a goal down and won that game two one as well. That was Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a few not always necessarily high scoring, but quite a few good comebacks. Um Danny, can you remember any from the fifties or anything like that? <laughs> well, you should say that my one, this is gonna be a triple header of a Slobanocker of a game. eighth uh, of February. 1987, oh, the League, Cup, League Cup semi-final. Spurs come to Arsenal. They beat us one 0 oh, You know yeah. they've, got, they've got the home leg coming. They're going to easily win that. Then the home leg, we end up um, beating them two one. And you think, oh dear, right, it's it's it's, it's going to have the um the uh, they have a replay for the semi-finals then. And so then we go to White Hart Lane for for what was going to be one of the most momentous games in in that run. Uh, Clive Allen scored in the 62nd minute for Spurs, and then by the 82nd minute. The Spurs were through to the final. They, 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 Arsenal weren't going to go there and beat them. We've only got eight minutes to go. Up pops Ian Allenson and his porn star moustache. 82nd minute goal. <laughs> Rowcastle, 90th minute goal, beating them 2-1 at the lane, through to the final. And then uh, Super Champagne, Charlie Nicholas, won the League Cup final for us in 1987. So, yeah, a triple header there of uh, amazing comebacks. I wonder if anyone shook Clive Allen's hand that day. <laughs> He's still waiting. Raging <laughs> nonce. Um, yeah, yeah, good times. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's questions like this that that our, our good friend Steve would have been all over. He'd, yeah, he'd have reeled yeah. out fourteen of them. Um, but yeah, very true. Have you? Has everyone had their go on that? Yes, yeah. yes, I think we are all up to speed on that one. Thank you for the, okay. uh, for, the for the responses. Very kind of you, dear listeners. Um, now we're moving on to uh, the podcast, Gentleman's Nod. Right, you lot go and get your own ones and think about it. it can be 
It can be a podcast you've listened to, someone on Twitter. It could be your bin man. It could be your, your uh, lady who comes and um, waters your tulips, Carl. It could be absolutely anything. Like the podcast's one goes to the people who have donated in the last two live shows. Uh, Jonas Segnanberg, JSSAFC, Michael Harniman did both. So did JSS. Petito 100, Jim Housen, Jay Robb, Nikki Wilson, and Chris, the Purple Lion Lodato, who I've told Sean that when she goes to America next year for a month, she can go and stay with him. Oh dear, thank you very much to all of you for your, your very kind donations. Uh, we're going to spend them on shirts and give them all away. Well, some of them away. Chris, is there any? Is a list of about fifty people you want to say hello to? <laughs> I've I've got two, but I'll, I'll go last if if you don't mind. Oh, cheeky! You're doing the, the John Welsh move. Go last, right, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. I just um, like that, man. I've got two. I mean, he always um, goes, doesn't he? Let's stay first. He's just a gentleman. Of course. Two words oh. you never thought you'd ever hear. John Walsh is a gentleman. Oh, what a goal! Sorry. Sorry. Um, David De Hay, best goalkeeper in the world. I think not. Um, yeah. Anyway, my yeah. shout out is going to go to Roy K. That's uh, at Roy K eight because he was the last person that followed me. Uh, my other shout out will always actually one of three because just because I can uh, is going to be to Gunaholic. I still really really miss him. I really do. Um, and my other shout out was going to be to Andrew Fife and to say please call your boss tomorrow because you're going to be late for work. <laughs> I should also is a Man United two 0 down. They yeah, are indeed. There's, there's someone back in the day when the early days of ABW called Nipan Chopra. I think he lives in North America. He's he's a big Man United fan. Does podcasts really into his lower league of um, um, uh, North American football. He's tonight is his very first Man United game. Oh Nipon, Nipon. Oh mate. Let's not jinx it, though. There's a lot of time to go yet. But it's really, it was a very, very good goal. Sorry. I do genuinely feel for the bloke. He's a lovely bloke. He knows his football in his first Man United game. But on the flip side, it means that Goldbridge will be crying into his Horlicks tonight. So there's all for every time. He realises whether he's live or not. Corey, who do you want to say hello to? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for putting up with me. Uh, it was very nice of you to have me. But I think actually my sh- my first shout-out would be a special one to tell Akeem to keep listening to Big Daddy Kane, brother. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> are you having another one? Sorry? Are you doing two or just one? No, nope. just to keep oh, Big Daddy Kane. One. And oh, thank you. Uh, now, I thought you said your first one, as in you've got two, but it probably means your first one. It's the first you've ever done. Ah, that's what I said. Yes, that ah, is what good. I said. Well, everyone get comfy. Chris is now going to reel off a list of he's ever made. I'll behave yourself. No, no, no. No, it'll be brief. Um, my, my, my main main one is is actually to Corey. Um, it's really nice to chat to you live, Corey, for the first time. Um, and uh, and for all the support over the um, over the time I've known him, I, I won't say any more than that. I don't need to. But um, thank you ever so much, Corey. Really appreciate it. Um, and the um, the other one, actually, it's rare that I do this, but fuck it, I'm here, so I can do it. So I'm going to. Um, I do want to say thank you to a select few people who who know me personally. Most of them are ABW people, as you probably be aware. Um, 
I, I've been through a pretty tough time for the past probably three months recently, and and I know that Jason and John have done, uh, in particular, have, have done excellent work in terms of talking about things like mental health and you know triggers and, and awareness. And I know we've had a lot of um, sort of link ups with the podcast, the guys at the Palace Walk and, and things like that. Um, I must admit, it's always been something that I've I've always thought that you know people can deal with themselves and. You know, I've always looked at myself thinking, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not down. I'll just get over things and whatnot. Past few months have been really challenging for me. I've not gone public with it because, you know, I don't want people to sympathise with me. I don't want people to give me, you know, a, a gentle pat on the back. And, and and I don't want to impose on other people. But just, just to say that there are good people out there. And I was reading a, a thread by um, Archie Rintut, who some people of this podcast might know, they might not. He's a German um, ex German football expert, been on a lot of the big podcasts, knows his stuff. And he tweeted a thread yesterday about mental health, which was really quite cutting. It's some really poignant points, about eight tweets. Look up his, his Twitter and it's well worth a read. And I, I really sort of, um, I could empathise with a lot of what he was saying and I could really relate to it. Um, I'm, I'm getting back to where I want to be. It, it's, it's a bit of a journey for me at the moment. It, it's been a a pretty shit few months for me personally, but thank you to everybody who has reached out um, and for the people that actually have been aware of what, what has been going on in my life. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and just having people say, oh, I've missed you on the pod and come back on genuinely does help me get out of bed some days. So thank you to all of you. I really appreciate it. And of course to you, Danny, for making everything happen. So yeah, a li little bit, um, a little bit close to home but i just wanted to say on a public forum thank you very very much to everybody who has has spoken to me personally appreciate it awesome oh, oh chris. Chris. <laughs> i've missed chris i haven't missed jason though fuck jason actually no i love jason's my uni right jason's the only one in the abw group that backs me fuck the rest of you lot <laughs> i don't know i back when i put my nose in every once in a while <laughs> I was being racially abused in the ABW quiz because I'm the only person of colour in the group and Jason's the only one that stuck up for me. I'm the only Chinese person in the group. You can't no. assume you can't assume really? that, Danny. It's not how it works. I can identify as whatever the fuck I want. I am a uh, <laughs> fried rice. That's me and no one's having a bite. On, on that final wise words, I think that's everything done, everything covered. Right, so all that is left to me is to say thank you very much to my... Uh, my, my two wonderful guests and Carl. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Corey. It's been nice. We will have you. Carl, it was really nice to actually meet with you, chat with you. Chris, I've talked to you before, but not in this forum. And you, Danny, of course. You've been great. You guys are awesome. Uh, it was nice of you. Can't wait till the next time. Because half of ABW, uh, they, they were now allergic to football. And they don't like it. Thank you very much to the man who who is a, a hashtag machine. First, it was uh, uh, fuck Ellis. Now it's fuck Fife. I better be careful of myself, otherwise it's going to be uh, fuck me. No, that would work. <laughs> <it. Can't> <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you, Danny. <laughs> right, bye, Danny. I don't know who's on the next uh, show at the weekend. It could be anybody. Uh, yesterday's show, there was five different people on it before I said, all right, I'll cover because everyone kept going, no, I can't do it. And Ellis was changing. It was like rolling a dice of Ellis. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. 
And so I think he flips the coin to decide whether he can be on or not. But there again, uh, that's why he's got his own hashtag. Right. Uh, thank you very much for watching. This has been uh, an Arsenal podcast. And we will speak to you later. Goodbye. Au revoir. Hashtag five. Hashtag Ellis. Fuck Ellis. Still got it in, though. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.